following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I feel I need to apologize. Um, sometimes you say things that you don't think about while you're saying them, and uh, I think that probably... Uh, making reference to inside jokes that maybe some of us understand and others don't uh, probably is not the the pulpit isn't the best place to fire those off. So my comments about uh, weird accents from people, uh, if you don't know me, that could have really come off really badly. Um, so just to be clear, uh, I had symptoms of a stroke for a long time. Uh, that affected my accent and made me sound like I was from somewhere else. And thankfully, the Lord has healed that. And I'm very grateful for that and given me my Mainer accent back. Still, people wonder where we're from. But uh, anyway, I, I apologize if, if that hit anybody sideways. Um, I just didn't want to let that go. Um, so anyway, there. Sorry about that. So, uh, we're going back to the Gospel of Luke this morning, so turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Um, we're going to examine verses 38 through 44, and that's on page 860 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Let's pray together. Father God, again, we ask for your blessing, uh, not just to give us stuff, but to give us more of you. Lord, we long to follow Jesus, and we're so grateful that you've given us your word and your spirit to show us how. So we pray, Lord, that would be the result of our study this morning, that we would know you more and follow you more closely. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we last saw Jesus... He was preaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, and he was teaching with great authority, right? Not like the dry and lifeless legalistic teaching of the scribes and that you're used to here at Crossroads. Um, By his word, demons were cast out. Um, His teaching was unlike anything anybody had experienced um, up until this time. And after this amazing... um, This amazing service uh, at Capernaum, they did what everybody does after such a stirring, life-changing, reality-altering church service. They went home for lunch. So let's read our text. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 38. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. 
And the people saw him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. So in my um, in my week flannel graph thinking, I always read this account and, and I only saw on display the power and authority of Jesus. Now, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but that's not the only thing. Jesus has power over a high fever. Jesus has power over various diseases. Jesus has power over demons, right? These, this is all true. Uh, maybe I'm just getting old and soft. Thanks for agreeing, Ben. Uh, but as I read this account now, I see something much more powerful on display than just power, more powerful than just authority. I see grace on display in Jesus. Now, I admit I often am guilty of restricting the grace of God to solely Christ's work on the cross. After all, the, work, the word says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Right? Grace is all salvation oriented, which is true. It is 100% true that Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. We often search for all kinds of more meaning to life. That's it. Everything else is subordinate to that. But it's not the limit of God's grace. Praise his glorious name. Grace is defined as kindness, unmerited or undeserved favor, a gift. We often give gifts based on a date on the calendar. Right, Eva? Just turned 10 this week. Right? Maybe it's a birthday or Christmas, but some of the best gifts are given simply because I saw this and thought of you. You know? Now, here in our text, we have at least three different displays of the grace of God, the grace of God through the Lord Jesus. Um, of course, because you know I love three-point sermons. There are three different displays, one to the disciples, one to us, and one to the people of Judea. Three displays, displays of the grace of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to look at them one at a time, because three points are easy to take notes on. One point is easier to remember, so... Verse 38, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. So after church that day, they headed over to Simon's house for lunch. And incidentally, I've been to this house uh, in Capernaum. Uh, really cool, the remains of the house. It's just 
kind of stones on the ground uh, in a circle. Uh, it's in Capernaum. It's not really a big place. Uh, and now it has a church built over it uh, that you can look through a glass floor and see the remains of the building, right? Some, am I describing that accurately? Some of you have been there. Um, um, at least that's what's in my memory. Anyway, um, so this is, this is Simon's house, right? And this is the Simon who would later be renamed by Jesus Peter. Um, he was the brother of Andrew, who most likely also lived in that same house. Um, and much to the chagrin of our Catholic friends who think that Peter is the one who in, came up with, um, that he's the great champion of celibacy uh, for, for ministers of the gospel, uh, Simon Peter was also married uh, as evidence of by having a mother-in-law. That's usually how it works. That's how you get a mother-in-law is by being married. Um, praise God for his grace. It's been quite a day. Yeah, it's going to be a short day, I think, for some of us. No, I'm going to find my own lunch today. So, all right, so Luke, remember, the, the author of this gospel is a doctor. He's a physician. And so he doesn't just say, Pete's mother-in-law has a fever. He said, she has a high fever, a great fever, terrible fever, is the Greek word that he uses. Um, this was not a take two Tylenol and get over it kind of thing. Uh, suck it up, buttercup. We need lunch. Um, this, is a, this was a life-threatening illness for Peter's mother-in-law. And knowing that Jesus had power and authority like they had never seen before, they asked Jesus for help. And he stood over her in verse 39. He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, I'm sure that... Um, there is a Jesus did for you, now go do for him sermon in there somewhere. Um, but that's, that's not for today. Um, instead of focusing on the woman's response of, to being healed, um, which was to immediately get up and make lunch, like start serving them, I think that it's better to focus on the grace of Jesus uh, on display rather than her response to it. The disciples had already witnessed Jesus heal the man with an unclean demon um, there at the synagogue. But this kindness of Jesus was much closer to home. The healing of Peter, Peter's mother-in-law gave the disciples a much more private and familial display of grace. It's not just Jesus from the pulpit. It's, it's Jesus in the parlor. You know, it's just a a much closer and, and intimate grace. And the truth is that every hardship that people face, everything that we go through is an opportunity to display the grace of the Lord Jesus. Even difficulties that we bring upon ourselves are opportunities for Jesus' grace to be displayed. In John chapter 9, Jesus addressed this issue John 9, 1, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
You ever ask God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to them? Why is this awful thing? Why are you allowing these terrible things to happen? That question gets asked all the time. And the answer was given a long, long time ago. But it's not the answer that we want to hear. It's that the works of God might be put on display. Every difficulty, every trial, every circumstance is designed by God to put his grace on display. Would that he'd open our eyes to see it. The works of God displayed, that is his power to heal, yes, but it is also his grace in his decision to heal. The second display of grace that the Lord, uh, the display of the grace of the Lord Jesus happened later the same day. He displayed his grace by healing Peter's mother-in-law. And also later the day, later in the same day in verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Now, I don't know what what pictures uh, your imagination conjures up of this moment of Jesus at sundown and the people coming to him. Now, the fact that Luke points out that this is at sundown, um, that this scene happens, was not just because he wanted to paint a pretty picture for our flannel graph, uh, although it is a very romantic scene, at least in my mind. Um, It's much more practical than that, actually. This was the Sabbath, and the Sabbath day people were prevented from traveling too far or from carrying sick people around, and the Sabbath just happens to end at sundown. So it's like we punch the clock and now like we're set free and, and, and we can feel free to roam about the country, right? And that's exactly what the people did. And they found Jesus. They were free to walk around and carry the sick people, carry the infirm to Jesus. It does conjure a great picture, though. Um, Jesus sitting on Peter's front porch, you know, handing out blessings and people gathered around him and listening to his word and just being healed by his touch. I would love to be in that scene. His grace was certainly on display to those people. And my pictures in my mind um, is, is usually that of huge crowds, right, pressing in on Jesus. We've seen you see other accounts in the Gospels of, of the crowds pressing in um, and that's certainly going to happen um, in, later in the Gospels. But Capernaum is not a big place. We're not talking thousands of people. We're talking, this is a village of a couple hundred people. This is a small crowd. And this group of uh, sick and um, wounded and infirm would have been much smaller than that crowd. But where Jesus' grace is on display, yes, it's, in, it's on display in his choice to heal the people who are sick and cast out the demons. But where, where, 
where Jesus' grace is on display for us is in what Jesus did to the demons. The demon, if you remember, the the demon in the synagogue uh, declared that Jesus is the Holy One of God. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. have, Have you come to destroy us? Right? The demon knew that Jesus is Messiah. And the demons that were cast out that evening cried, You are the Son of God. And how does Jesus respond? He rebukes them and tells them to be silent. He would not allow the demons to speak. Were they telling the truth? Yes, absolutely. Is Jesus the Holy One of God? Yes, absolutely. Is he the Son of God? Yes, absolutely. Those things are true. But he told the demons to be silent. He did this for a few reasons. The first uh, is that the time of his full revelation wasn't yet. Like It was not time for everyone to know. Um, it wasn't time for, for everybody to know that Jesus was Messiah. Um, secondly, and probably more obvious, I guess, is that Satan and his demons are, they're in what the scholars call an irreconcilable state of enmity with Jesus. Right, write that down. Sounds like a bumper sticker, doesn't it? Just rolls right off the tongue. They are in an irreconcilable state of enmity with Jesus. They're the enemy. And so their praise could only soil and tarnish the reputation of Jesus, even if they're telling the truth. Right? Their praise could only injure his character and reputation. So he refused to allow allow them to act as his heralds and witnesses of his divinity. Now, where his grace is on display to us in this is that Jesus forbids these powerful, supernatural creatures to speak on his behalf. And instead, he asks this of us. Frail, fallen, fallible sinners. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 said, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, Paul is making reference uh, clearly to the poor and the rich, those of high status and those of low status. But this this whole principle is on display in Jesus. So, no, you demons, you cannot proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God. Instead, you powerful things are to be kept silent, and these weak, frail fallen people, my beloved, they're the ones to take the message to the world that Jesus is the Son of God. We have been chosen as his witnesses to the world, to all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature and to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded, that his grace may be displayed 
on us. And the last display of the grace of the Lord Jesus is to the people of Judea. Look at verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So that next morning, Jesus got up early and went into a solitary place, a pattern that we see him uh, exercising over and over through the Gospels. A solitary place on the edge of town, presumably to pray. And the people of the town found him. Again, a pattern that's repeated over and over in the Gospels. These people who had been shown great kindness, great grace, all they wanted was more of Jesus. All they wanted was to keep Jesus with them. Can you blame them? Honestly. They heard and appreciated his word. They wanted more of his teaching, more of his presence among them. Who could blame them? These people he preached the gospel to, and they did not take him to the edge of town to throw him off a cliff. They said instead, stay with us, stay with us. In Capernaum, it's friendly here. This is a good place for ministry, right? We love you, man. Why would you want to leave? You can stay with Pete and his mother-in-law. After being rejected in Nazareth, where he grew up, nearly thrown off a cliff, who wouldn't want to stay in a place like that, right? Why wouldn't you want to stay in Capernaum? It could be the new religious capital of the world. You know, almost right up there with Ossipee. <clears throat> but by leaving Capernaum, Jesus displayed his grace to the other towns of Galilee as well. It wasn't reserved for that specific group of people. His grace was on display to everyone that he would preach to from that day forward. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I think this is another very important point. Did Jesus just say, I, I was sent here to go to Jerusalem and die on a cross to bear the sins of the world? No. Was he sent for that purpose? Yes. Was he also sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? Yes. We can't ignore that. We can't forget that. And maybe I'm the only one that's guilty of that because I just think about the cross and how wonderful and powerful and amazing that is and what an amazing display of grace. But we cannot forget that Jesus was also sent to preach the good news of the kingdom. He wasn't just sent to die but he was also sent to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, a kingdom of faith in him, a kingdom of grace. And like Jesus, we too must preach the good news of the kingdom as an act of grace to our hearers, to anyone who would hear us. Like the people of Capernaum, we, want, we tend to want to keep Jesus to ourselves, right? To keep him here in our midst where life is comfortable 
right? It's easy here to be with Jesus. But that's not what Jesus was sent to do, and it's not what we were sent to do. He was sent, and we are sent, to display his amazing grace through the good news of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Proclaim the gospel to all creatures, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your amazing grace that is displayed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your grace through the work on the cross. That through faith in Jesus and his sacrifice, we might have the forgiveness of sin. To be adopted as your children to be welcomed home into your eternal kingdom. But Lord, we also thank you for the amazing grace that is on display in the teaching of Jesus. To love our neighbor as ourselves. To be blessed through humility. We thank you, Lord, for your words. We thank you, Lord, for the Sermon on the Mount that we've been reading over and over this week. You have a way for us to live that will bring you glory. May we never forget that. And Lord, we thank you for the great grace that you have shown to us by asking us to bring this good news of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Help us, Lord, to do that task. That's impossible for us. We need your help. So we pray that you would go before us to, uh, to prepare the ground and that we would be bold enough to step out in faith just to mention your name in everyday conversation, to draw people's eyes to you, that they might know you, know your salvation, your forgiveness, to experience your great grace as we have. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.